Hello, world. I'm Greg Patton. It's a Friday, and we got it in just a minute. News and stuff. Stay tuned. I was thinking today, I, the kids have been out of school more this week than they've been in. A few more inches fell overnight here in the Summit City, and yep, cancel school again today. It made me go back to my days of walking, seriously now, a mile, exactly one mile to school. We used to do it even weather like this. <laughs> my kids, oh yeah, Dad, you probably walked uphill both ways, right? You gotta, you gotta admit, I think we were a little tougher back then than now. What do you think? I thank God there's one great difference in my life from back in those days at Roanoke High School in Roanoke, Indiana. I'm saved, hallelujah. So whether the sun is shining and it's 90 degrees outside or wind chill factor 30 below, everything stays the same in this old spiritual walk and the sun is always shining in the heart of the Christian. Have you ever made that decision, my friend? I mean, have you asked God to forgive you of your sins and you've accepted Jesus Christ as Savior? Well, bless your little pea-picking heart. We love you and we thank God for you. Let's get down to business. Time is short. Jesus is coming soon. Much to be done. And people need what you have, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Be a great weekend to get on fire for Jesus, don't you think? What in the world is going on? 600 pages of you blew it and blood on your hands? The DOJ released a scathing report on the Robb Elementary School shooting. In this report, the department called the response to the 2022 Uvalde, Texas shooting, which left 21 people dead, most of them kids, an absolute total failure, blaming police, local and state officials for ignoring protocols, egregious poor decision-making. Well, it just goes on and on, and that just makes you sick to your stomach. Claude Schwab. Well, Billy Crone has written a lot about him, hasn't he? Claude Schwab, founder and chief of the World Economic Forum, has spent his career promoting the globalist ideologies, of course, that organizations push, hobnobbing with the world's wealthy, the elite worldwide. Those who travel to his annual Davos, Switzerland parties on their private jets and ostensibly consume fossil fuels and unleash global warning emissions and wrote there. Now he's suggesting it's time to end free elections. Schwab showed his true Nazi colors in Switzerland recently, saying that nations will soon no longer need to bother holding elections because voters could easily be replaced by artificial intelligence. What? AI is more than capable of choosing a nation's leaders. Isn't that something? The report explains Schwab's bone-chilling comments came during a talk fest with Google co-founder Sergey Brin. Schwab called for AI to go into a prescriptive mode, which means you do not have to have elections anymore because you can already predict and afterwards you can say, why do we need elections? Because we know what the results are going to be. I'm telling you, every day I get more confused. But I'll tell you what, all of this stuff is flat out 
demonic. Satan knows his time is short. Okay, honeymoon's over for Speaker Mike Johnson, really? He's under pressure from conservatives and from President Trump to reject an emerging bipartisan border and Ukraine aid package, even as he gets the squeeze from the Senate GOP and the White House. All this stuff's tough, isn't it? Republican senators in support of that deal argue that the leverage of Ukraine aid has given them a unique opportunity to secure key border reforms from a Democratic administration. But Trump, who Johnson says he has consulted, is urging him to reject any legislation that isn't perfect. The situation leaves little space to operate for the Speaker, who retains a historically slim House majority and is already dealing with rumblings about a move to oust him. So, well, these are tough times in politics, right? Yeah, excuse me. What did you say, young man? Oh, boy. A Mississippi mother's social media post of a write-up that her first grader received at school for saying Jesus Christ has garnered thousands of reactions, comments, and shares now. Please pray for our school, says Shauna Coleman. My son got this from school yesterday for saying Jesus Christ. The post includes a photo of a parent notice of disciplinary incident that appears to be from Hope Sullivan Elementary School in South Haven, Mississippi. The reason for the notice was checked unacceptable language in school with the actions taken listed as well had a conference with the student and telephoned the parent it's kind of unfair that he didn't get a warning coleman said it went straight to the write-up board i understand if he did it a second time then you write him up the note from the teacher said coleman's son said jesus christ when he dropped the legos he was cleaning up after recess so, isn't that taking the Lord's name in vain? Hope Sullivan Elementary is part of the DeSoto County School District. It is possible that the student could be corrected for a disrespectful use of Jesus' name, as they added that a student would never be disciplined for simply saying Jesus Christ, and that several schools in the district have Christian fellowships that meet on campus. A little confusing here. So the mom says we should pray for the schools, and yet the school got upset that the boy used the Lord's name in vain. Many writing, you need to see the school policy that says Jesus Christ is a swear word. Well, read the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Oh, I don't know. I, I continue to say this. It's very confusing, and we know who the author of this is. And then, well, how about this one? While political experts worldwide try to figure out about the war in Gaza, most have overlooked Hamas's explicitly stated reason for its October 7th attacks on Israel that killed nearly 1,400 people. It's now a day 100 of the war. So why did you attack Israel? Incredibly, according to the terror group's military spokesperson, it has to do with attempting to prevent the ceremony of the Red Heifer. What? That's a mysterious event of great meaning to Jews and to Christians. Abu Abida, a military spokesman for the 
brigades of, well, the Palestinians, the terrorist group, the military wing of the Palestinian Hamas terrorist organization, made a televised appearance on the 100th day of the war. It should be noted, although this man first emerged in 2002, his actual identity remains unknown even today. Neither his face nor name have ever been revealed in any media reports. The televised speech was the first time he had appeared in seven weeks, as during that time all of his public pronouncements were either audio recordings or written statements. A lap of several weeks led to speculation that he was dead. His speech was reported in the Palestine Chronicle on Sunday. His speech was described as covering the usual topics, the number of tanks destroyed by the resistance movement, the number of military operations, la da 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 We look back 100 days to remember the educated, the complicit, and the incapacitated among the world's powers governed by the law of the jungle, reminding them of an aggression that reached its peak against our paths with the start of its actual temporal and spatial division and the bringing of red cows as an application of the detestable religious myth designed for aggression against the feelings of an entire nation in the heart of its Arab identity and the path of its prophet and ascension to heaven. What in the world are you talking about? Well, the red cows referred to by this leader, five red female calves brought to Israel in September of last year by Bano Israel, an organization that connects Christian lovers of Israel to the Holy Land, working under the auspices of the Temple Institute, an organization in Israel focusing on establishing the Third Temple. In that speech, this Hamas leader referred to the October 7th attacks as the Al-Aqsa Flood. Palestinians call the Grey Dome Mosque on the Temple Mount that, literally meaning the further mosque, referring to a myth created in 1682, some 50 years after Muhammad's death. According to that myth, Muhammad was carried to the site of the destroyed Jewish temples in a miraculous overnight journey. There was a magical horse with the head of a woman, wings of an eagle, tail of a peacock, hoose reaching to the horizon. He tethered the horse to the western wall of the Temple Mount and from there ascended to the seventh heaven together with the angel Gabriel. So the whole war started October the 7th and it's killed thousands and thousands and thousands of people. All about the red heifers? Hmm. A couple of thoughts to ponder as we head into the weekend back on this political thing. Everybody's saying, hey, really, Haley and uh, DeSantis, they need to quit. Let's get on with it. But then the question comes up, well, who will Don? He said he already knows who his VP is going to be. Many say it's not out of the realm of possibilities, although she's pretty much over there on the liberal side in many ways. Nikki Haley. Yep. That could be a real possibility. Trump's going to do what he has to do to win, and Haley could be a part of that winning ticket, and that will keep Trump from going to jail, among other things. On the other side of the fence, you know that Obama has run the Biden administration for the most part, and they say that he's trying to somehow 
worm his way in with his wife to run for president on the Democratic ticket, telling Joe it's time to go to the basement. And finally, cold. Oh, has it been cold? You need to know 95% of the electric cars are still on the road today. The other 5% made it all the way home. Wait a minute. This ain't right. It's so cold out there. Someone said they saw chickens lined up outside the KFC, waiting for their turn in the deep fryer. <laughs> oh, this was good. Taylor Swift makes millions singing about her bad choices in men in life. She endorses Joe Biden. And this one gets truer every day. My ability to remember song lyrics from the 60s far exceeds my ability to remember, why did I walk into the kitchen? Where's my Bible? Life 101 is next. Got your copy yet? Invisible or in the saints.com. My oh my, after our attack decades ago from a spirit named Abaddon, turned our world upside down. But as you're going to find out in today's Life 101, it was good. And God has used it in a mighty way to see hundreds and hundreds of people set free. Invisible War on the Saints.com. Get your copy of our newest book. And right around the corner, Ah, oh, the new America, a flood of evil, a visible war on the saints. Coming up, Tampa in February, our first big meeting here of the new year. Looking forward to that time. And we're going to be spending a lot of time in Tennessee and Virginia. So here's the thought this Friday. You know, it's tough to be broken. I mean, no one wants to be there. I always like to be on top of my game, feeling I'm in charge, or at least I'm ready for the challenge, whatever it might be. So being broken emotionally, physically, spiritually, it's awful. It's difficult to understand how strength and blessing are the end results of being broken. But according to the Bible, they are. Just as we seldom recognize the goodness of brokenness in the heat of our suffering, there's some things to consider. Have you ever caught yourself Wishing things were like they were in the good old days. I've talked many times here on Hello World about getting back to normal. I think about my high school days that I loved, my early days of dating in my 20s and all of that stuff. Most of us go back there. Sure, as we get older, we do it a lot. Here's a great truth. If you had a chance to travel back to another time, you'd find that the same problems and trials that you're facing now were there then only in different kinds of forms, of course. You know, trials come no matter who you are, what you do in life. Everybody has them. If you're homeless or you're a multimillionaire. In desperation to gain control of circumstances in our life, we tell ourselves we can make it through this thing, any difficulty. Now, what we're doing here is hiding our inner feelings, and we pray that God's going to strengthen us. Instead of letting go of our pride and our self-strength, we convince ourselves to hold on as those waves come and the suffering will pass over us. But the darkness lingers. The pain gets worse. Disappointment goes on and on. In the book of 2 Corinthians, we read the words of a man who faced numerous and intense trials. Paul, he faced discouragement, but he knew that he 
was in control and placed his hope and faith in Jesus Christ. That's what we should do today. We are afflicted on every side and in every way, but but not crushed. Perplexed, oh yes, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. You're still there. You're okay. Always caring about the body, the dying of Jesus Christ, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in your body. That's 2 Corinthians 4, 8, 9, and 10. There was trust, there was faith in God. Paul served that God. He was not ignorant of the fact that the trials passing through his life came with a purpose. God had a plan. They were tools in the hand of God who reshaped, refined, and then refocused Paul's life so that it would become a reflection of the life of Jesus Christ, full of purpose and full of blessing. Isn't that good? Was Paul ever discouraged? Of course he was. He's a human being like you and me. Just like us, he fought with emotional and physical difficulties. He had to. His words in the letter to the Corinthians are laced with pain and difficulty. But much more than this, they're words of hope and divine intervention written to inspire and to encourage you as you face the agony of being broken. Isn't that good? From the fires of the spiritual battle, they're there. Paul writes, There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, a demon, to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. I continue to say pride is one of the worst problems in any church today. Concerning this, I I implored God three times that he might leave me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Is it ever Most gladly, therefore, I'm going to rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with those distresses, with those persecutions, with the difficulties and all these things I don't understand for the sake of Jesus Christ. For when I am weak, guess what? God says, then you're strong. Do you believe that? 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. Pressure from without increases pressure within. When difficulties come into your life, you feel pressure, you feel stress. Sometimes you can't sleep. However, my friend, in this spiritual realm, you don't have to yield to the mounting pressures that are coming. No, you can diffuse those demonic bombs by placing it on the altar of God and allowing him to handle those things that you're facing. You can't do it. You never have. You never will. The lesson learned here is to take your troubles, your heartaches, those pains, those potential defeats to Jesus so that he can bear the weight of your burden. Clinging to what you want, what you think is right for your life, well, that can prolong the brokenness process. Maybe it's been years. It may not make sense today in the beginning, but God knows what's up ahead there in your life. He disciplines, guides, and directs. That's not to lock you into something, but put you in a position where you'll be able to live a free and blessed life. And don't we all want that? For the Christian, brokenness demands the focus of the heart to be set on Jesus Christ. You may feel like you're coming apart at the seams today, but if you'll transfer that fear, that anxiety, all of that stuff 
to Jesus, then something amazing is going to happen in your life today. You're not only going to begin the process of being conformed to the image of God's Son, and everybody wants that, if you're really, your heart's really with Christ. You're also going to sense a greater strength growing within you, something special happening. Ever heard of the book Streams in the Desert? You'll read there that there's an advantage of suffering. In the night, God is preparing thy song. In the valley, he's tuning thy voice. In the cloud, he's deepening thy chords. In the rain, he's sweetening thy melody. In the cold, he's molding thy expression. We can all appreciate that today, right? In the transition from hope to fear, he's perfecting thy light. You know, brokenness proves to us that we're not omnipotent. Oh, no. Every man's a weakling. Suddenly, however, we become aware that there's something higher in our life. There's a higher authority than me, than you. Someone whose insight and wisdom outranks our moral aptitude. We need a savior. We need Jesus. We need someone greater than all these fears, and some of them are pretty big. We need someone who's able to meet our needs. And it's only through his grace that we learn the truth concerning brokenness. The process of experiencing the immense, oh, unbelievable love and fellowship of Almighty God. Jesus gives me goosebumps just to talk about it. So today, maybe you're facing a time of brokenness in your life. You think the emotional pain is more than you can possibly bear ever. Perhaps you're dealing with a series of troubles, disappointments, one after another. When it, well, do you know, when it rains, it pours. Instead of becoming fearful, which is often Satan and the demonic ploy to pull you away from the will of God, ask the Lord to show you what is he up to in your life. What's he doing? God didn't remove the thorn from Paul, yet he did give his disciple an understanding as to why that trial was there. The Holy Spirit revealed to Paul that there was an element of pride in his life, and the thorn was given to humble him and cause him to rely on Jesus all the more and the strength of God's Son instead of his own strength. Many times, my friend, brokenness comes when our love for the Lord seems the strongest. God tests us to see if our devotion is, is it real or is it fake? And visiting his altar of brokenness, you're going to find a spiritual depth to your life that has been added that was not there before that thing began. Oh, it's an exciting adventure. Peter writes, Beloved, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal coming your way. It comes upon you for your testing. As though some strange thing were happening to you, it's not. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Jesus Christ, you keep on rejoicing today. The enemy just hates that and knows that you are a victor and not a victim. I pray this has been an encouragement, a, a help to you today, my friend. We need to hear it often. And finally, it's so cold in Fort Wayne. How cold is it? <laughs> Cross from our house, we have a church sign. I know it's too cold. <laughs> it's pretty simple. Sin bad, Jesus good, details Sunday. <laughs> That's pretty simple, though, isn't it? 
Hey, you're going to be there, right? Not here, but wherever you, you're going to be in church Sunday. Oh, absolutely. You got to do it. The Bible says so in Hebrews 10, my friend. It's the place where you gather strength for that entire week. Fellowship. We need that also. Big part of church. Join me on Facebook, Greg, G-R-E-G, Patton, P-A-T-T-E-N. I pray you're going to have a great weekend. Just keep warm, my friend, and join us back here on Monday. And that's the way it is, Friday, January 19th, 2024. I am Greg Patton. God bless. Have a great weekend.